the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Remember the movie Jerry Maguire? Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. Tom Cruise. The girl with the lemon face. I'm not sure if it was Renault Zellweger. I think that's the lemon face. Sometimes I get her and Cameron Diaz mixed up, but it was Zellweger. Lemon face. Um, where am I going with this? Cameron Diaz. Stretched face. Show me the money. Something that I really gets my my ire up. And I know you're saying, where's your ire? <laughs> Is that dirty? They don't make Vi- Viagra for ire. But it gets my ire up. Is people who try to scam you. That they're smarter than you. The people who go, you have to have gold in your portfolio in case times go bad. That's gold. gold. I just think that's crap. You haven't had to have gold in your portfolio since Columbus sailed around the world. That's when people's heads got cut off and Indians got savaged by by the white skin polio diseases and things like that. You don't have to have gold. It's 130% true. Is it a nice perk? Sure. Have, you know, a Monet on your wall is a nice perk too. It's an alternative asset. But the people who push gold some hard assets, some currencies. You don't need them. It's it's not financial trickery. It's I'm financially smarter than you. A currency fluctuation of 4% a year, and that's a wild roller coaster of a year, isn't going to doom you to underperformance. It may stink that your portfolio isn't as up as much as the European. Like, for instance, 2014-2015. The Europeans kind of started making this noise like, hey, we're going to cut our, we're going to buy our own debt. If America could do it, we could do it. If Japan could do it, we could do it. And their stock market started to outperform ours. Did you have to buy a currency debt uh, foreign exchange fund to, to do that? No. You had to buy their stock markets. And they're listed just like ours is. We have something called the S&P 500. And you can buy an index fund of the S&P 500. Germany's got something called the DAX. 
Not Dax Shepard, who's married to the lovely and beautiful and talented Kristen Bell. Who really has quite a singing voice on her. God, can you imagine being beautiful, an actress, and have a singing skill? I would take one of those. Well, no, I probably wouldn't. So I'd be the ugly guy. I'd be the fat guy, Oliver Platt, who's always in movies as the fat guy. So, anyway. There's fat guy roles in Hollywood to offset the skinny guys to make them look even skinnier. And there's short girl roles, like Natalie Portman. She's like four foot ten or something. So that when she stands next to Chris Hemsworth, who's Thor, Thor looks even bigger. So, I want to you know, bless myself with shortness. Just so I can stand next to Wonder Woman. Who is going to be in the upcoming Marvel Universe. Very interesting. Okay, so the people that I hate are the people who are like trying to say, you have to buy currency, you have to buy hard assets, you have to. No, you don't. You can buy the German DAX. You can buy DAX Shepard, the index fund. And again, you know what they do? They go on CNBC, they go on Bloomberg, they come on shows like this, and they're like, what are you going to do if the dollar gets stronger? What are you going to do if the dollar gets weaker? What are you going to do? Bad boy, bad boy. I'm smarter than you. What are you going to do? And it's a way of call my offices. It's not a way of like, you need this. It's not an education. Or as we always joked, we'd say, Mama, I've got an education. A mom's only goal for her kids. Don't, don't backtalk me and get an education. And we did both in the same sentence. So anyway, um, okay, who, other people that I hate. Okay, we all know that I hate Sarah Jessica Parker because she buys $400 a pair of shoes, which is great if you're an actress with a horsey face. But the average person shouldn't be buying $400 a pair of shoes. And there's a lot more average people. I hate market timers. Um, the market hits a record high. Hits a record high. Doesn't necessarily close a record high. 70% of the time. That's 7 out of 10. Let's go back to showing me the money. Why do you have to try to market time? Do you know like if you miss a couple days in the market, you can miss all the upside? Whereas if you just sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to watch that, that all-star game this weekend, or you know what, I'm going to go on ski week or summer vacation, or I'm, like, I'm not even going to watch the markets because I'm diversified in indexes. I'm okay. I'm good. I got it. But then you'll get the guys that are like market timers like, we've never been in a six-year bull market. <sighs> you need to sell at the top right now, right now. And I get it. Like, trust me, back in, two, you know, 2008, I was one of the only people who said, you know, this sucks. It gets down a lot. But you know what? It doesn't kill you. You don't have to sell here. You can average in. I average in every two weeks. Boring, boring, boring. 401k. Anytime I get a bonus, I try to throw it in whenever I get it. I've set up bonus structures to be monthly or quarterly, not necessarily annually. So, market timing is a scam. Show me one market timer worth $10 million. Now, you can show me a market timer who sells like a newsletter worth $10 million, but not someone who, who actually timed the market with $5 million and doubled it to 10 Show me anyone on the planet who turned $10,000 into a million 
by market timing, buying high, selling low, buying low, selling high. Show me one person, one person. I'll give them a job for six figures. I'll massage their, their body daily. I will give them the shower of Rob Black, which is similar to a cat licking itself clean. I will lick you clean because I've got a very barbaric tongue and it's got like sandpaper on it. It's quite an enjoyable experience. Show me one market timer worth $10 million. You know why people like to push stock options on CNBC? You should buy stock options. Stock options are for wealthy people. They're not for the people watching CNBC. Wealthy people have models on their back in the Bermuda, and they're kite surfing or kite skiing, or they're doing something. And the typical age difference between the wealthy person and the hot chick is about 50 years. They're not using stock options to get rich. They are rich. They're using stock options to make sure they don't go poor like you. It's the poor people who use stock options who try to get rich. And guess who makes money? The, the stockbroker. The brokerage house. The guy who's selling the stock option strategy webinar. This guy who's selling the stock option strategy um, software program. And I've been to them anonymously. And they put pressure on you to buy a $4,000 package. What? Don't you want to make money? What? Don't you want to leave money to your wife after you die? Don't you want to double your money every two to four months? Don't you want it as easy as green light buy, red light sell? Because that's dumb enough for a monkey to understand. Oh, did you just call me a monkey? Kind of dead. I hate the bad boys of Wall Street. Market timers, gold bugs, people that say, like, oh, you have to be in a currency fund. No, you can be in an index fund that's benefiting from that weaker currency. I'm Roberto Negro, your friend, your pal, Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The goal is to get to you roughly to about a million dollars before you decide to quit. I think in a world, I could probably live off $40,000 a year, some Social Security. Most of the Social Security is going to get a medical bills. Insurance and retirement is not free. So that's the goal to get a minimum. If you have a spouse, it's going to be $2 million. So you want that money to last till you're 93 and she's 95. Huddled towards if you're under the age of 40. Um, I just had some life insurance done and he's like, ooh, good news. You're going to live somewhere between 80 and 86. I'm like, can I go for 86? How do I get to 87? He said, 
got to put down the alcohol. I said, 86 is fine. 86 is fine. I'm good with that. Beer. Beer. He said you could have two beers a day, seven days a week. You'll be fine. I'm like, can I have 14 once a week? No, 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 no. And then I was like, can I put an IV in my arm and just have it go straight there? And then I could have like, like that would be a party. Just a little drop of alcohol would get you trashed if it went straight into your bloodstream. Just a little bit too much of that, you know, eyedropper would kill you. So don't enjoy it too much. So here's how you get to a million dollars. You have a budget. Everyone has to have it because you have to save it. You're not given a million dollars, even though I heard some ridiculous statistic that Apple can give every person in America like a 560 bucks. Like, whoa, that's a lot of cash for that company. Um, and there's a difference between giving someone money and like people would be better with money if Apple gave them $50 a month for 10 months than if they get all 560 in, in one shot because the 560 is gone. People will look at it as like, ooh, lottery. But if you give them a little bit of money over time, people tend to save it better. Okay, so your budget's going to have rent on it. For most people under 40, it's going to have rent or home mortgage. It's going to have a gem, electricity, probably internet, food, gas, gasoline. Most people, Some people still drive. Um, entertainment. What's your entertainment budget? That's one area in my 20s and 30s where I did it too much. And you know what? I would take a girl to Miami that... I don't know her today. Took a girl to Mexico. I don't know her today. Took a girl to Hawaii. Don't know her today. So I'd start making my entertainment budget about two. And <laughs> really, really exotic. Because I thought love led to money, right? It doesn't. Or money leads to love. Love leads to less money. That's the way of saying that mathematically. Heart equals dollar sign one half. So your budget items, you know, vacation, savings, charity, blown opportunities, blown money. You may have a drug issue. You may have an alcohol issue. You may have like a, ooh, I really need those Beats headphones. And then you leave them on the subway. You blow it. Clothing has to be in there. Your phone so looking at that, you know, there's some areas where you can cut. There's some areas where you really can't. But part of your budget also has to be savings. And if you have a pie, at least 15% of your pie, pie is all the money that you make in a month or two weeks, at least 15% of that has to be pie, uh, has to be savings. Okay, I'll settle for 10% of your 25. But, you know, there's a lot of truths out there now at this point in time where if you don't have a large chunk of money by 40, 45 years old, you're never going to be rich. And rich to me is gives you the ability to retire and not have a job from 60 to 100. It sounds kind of rich, doesn't it? You don't have to work, but you'll have food and travel and stuff like that in your life, and you don't even have to work. No way. It's called retirement, but you have to plan for it by funding your retirement. Not the easiest thing in the world to get people to sign up for, you know, especially when you live in a city of you know, such decadence or the, an area of such decadence. And when I say that, I, I mean it with, with respect. 
um, friend of mine took out a like a a neuroscience philosophy major who programs artificial intelligence into video games and took her out at one thirty in the morning and got sushi. Like that's pretty good living. Um, you tried to do that in Des Moines, Iowa. Good luck. Des Moines, Iowa might might have a Taco Bell open at that time of day. So if you're not rich by 45, I think you might as well give it up. Because money doubles every seven years, and what you need to do is get $100,000 by 40, because then that'll become $200,000 by 47. It'll become $400,000 by 54. It'll become $800,000 by 60. Now you can see like why you have to have a big chunk of change by 40. There's a difference between 400 and 800,000. It's it's sizable. So you need 100,000 plus dollars by the time you hit 40 or you'll never be rich unless you hit the lottery. Which I think in the recent lottery big thing um three people won and there was about six teeth between the three people. So it's probably not going to be you unless you start losing your teeth now. And that's when the the gods of the lottery start to shine on you. It's uh, per tooth, per opportunity. And the fewer teeth you have, the higher the opportunity. You know what's funny about the lottery is people don't play it until it gets to like 200, 300, 400 million. Because we think $2 to win $100 million, not quite as good as $2 to win $300 million. And that's actually one of the big financial truths about America is that we assign happiness at various price points. Um, and we don't understand that it works opposite when we're being marketed to. So Apple can push a $600 phone on us a lot easier than Samsung can put a, push a $300 million phone on us, or $300 phone on us, because the Apple experience is just a little bit more polished. So we're saying, nah, that phone can do everything an iPhone can do. But if we're a little bit more polished, I'll pay double. And we don't even realize that. So we assign value, and it's perceived value. So difference between, like, Rotten Robbie's gas and Exxon gas is nothing. In large part because the formulations, and again, Exxon probably has a slightly better formulation. But to get you from point A to point B, I'd go with the one that has a discount price on it. Because California is not going to let them sell things that pollute the earth more than the company that has a higher price. You're just paying for perceived value tied towards marketing. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Some good financial resources at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. And you should always consider getting Business Week or the Wall Street Journal. Up your financial education this year.
Welcome in, Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. I do the show Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. here on KDOW, a.m. 1220. I also sit in for a financial planner, CFP, Chad Burton, Wednesday through Friday. I know you're saying sit in. Doesn't it sound like you do 60% of the shows? <laughs> kind of does. <clears throat> kind of does. <clears throat> but he does occasionally grace us with his presence in a phone call. So, Emperor, Emperor Burton. 800-516-1220. calls on there. Get your calls in the air. 80% of NFL players are broke within three years of retirement. There is investment advice for you on this. No, you are not big, oversized, muscular, freak of nature who can run 40 yards in four seconds. Nope. There is no comparison there. But people get broke doing dumb things. It starts with the lack of competent financial planning advice. People get broke for not understanding that a career can end tomorrow. What you're doing right now, you can be fired and you can maybe never ever get a job doing it again. People get bankrupt and lose their money from lack of preparation for a second career. Financial media will last for me anywhere between another day and 20 years. I don't take it for granted. I know what I'm doing after this. I'm going to be a plumber. Because I know, I know that it's ladies who call the plumbers Monday through Friday when the husband's at work. I'm going to show up in my plumber outfit. Tight jeans, tight shirt, big toolbox. And I didn't mean anything by big toolbox. I've got a lot of wrenches and power tools. And by power tools, I didn't mean anything that you could see in the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. I meant actually power tool like drills and such. I'm going to come over, I'm going to look at the pipes and go, those need work. And she'll say, get to work. I have kids and I got stuff to do. I'll be like, well, I don't want to do this job. I'm going to go to another house. I'm going to be a gigolo plumber in retirement. <laughs> okay, so I haven't thought that out very well yet, but I'm, I'm, I'll work on it. And I don't know how to plumb at all. I can replace a pipe, but I don't know, like, Anything else? Like, how do you get under the house? <laughs> Where does it go when it flushes? I just imagine it goes to poo-poo heaven. Or in this case, poo-poo hell, because it's going down, right? So I'm not going to be the best plumber in retirement, but this is how people go broke. They don't prepare for another career. Divorce? I was watching an episode of, I think it's called Togetherfulness on HBO. It was just this horrible scene where a guy and his wife are trying to get into men, and he's like, it's tough after 17 years. And she's like, do you want me to do something special? And he's like, no, it's tough. Like, do I? No, no. And they start screaming at each other. Kids are out of the house. Bam, you get a divorce. People look for a spark again. They, they look for that, you know, romance and passion. And divorces happen like crazy. The gray divorce is on the rise. It's not on the decline. Um, You know, athletes get, they, they go bankrupt because of supporting family, friends, extended family, and extended friends. So you're a super powerful football player, you're wide receiver, making $8 million a year. And like everyone's asking you for money. Same thing with lottery winners. But also the same thing with you. You know one of the worst financial mistakes I made? Girl uh, friend, 
She needed, I don't know why she needed $2,000. I think it was for a car or something. I'm like, here, take it. Never got the money back. Never even got a penny back. Got a promise that I would. So I just basically gave $2,000 away. At that time, had I invested that, it would have become 4000 by the time I was 35. It would have become 8000 by the time I'm 42. It would have become 16000 by the time I'm... Like, it would have become about $60,000 by the time I retired. With just historical mathematical returns on Wall Street. So was it a $60,000 mistake? It was. Because I didn't have to. I was doing it out of the goodness of my heart or just the stupidity of being a male. I don't know which one it was. It was somewhere in that spectrum. So people become bankrupt because of this. Football players, lottery winners, those are the common mistakes. You know, not understanding that this could all, all the money can stop, lack of preparation for a second career. People don't usually become bankrupt because of um, an earthquake. That's not what gets them. It's like a career can end. You can say a football player career can end. He loses a step. He gets hurt. Same thing can happen to you. I can be driving home today and, you know, a drunk driver hits my car and I can't work in financial media anymore. So I'm going to be disabled. And do you know what disability insurance is? It's not much. Now, there's two types of disability insurance. There's the state disability insurance, which is not much. And then there's the one you can get to replace 60% of your income, which is great. So if you're from the age of 20 to 60, the most valuable thing you have is your ability to earn income. So if you're making $70,000 making maps, you probably need disability insurance. Because if you get hit by a drunk driver and you're in a wheelchair and your hands can no longer make maps, what are you going to do? 60% of your income, and I don't do math terribly well, $70,000 divided by 6, 35, it's so about $40,000. Till the age you're 60, you're, you're golden. There's a potential um, to understand that. Uh, and once you grasp that, I think you're going to be pretty well off when it comes to empowering yourself on money issues. Something I want to talk about a little bit more is valuation drives the stock market and it drives stocks. And... Right now, our, our stock market has a high valuation. Six years ago, it didn't. Six years ago, there was some value and there was some uh, limited downside. Now, there's like some hopes that like pieces of the puzzle, like low oil and job hirings, continue to fall into place. But the, the returns are going to slow down in the, in the near future. Is it going to be this year? I don't have a crystal ball. The industry drives valuations. You know, the tech industry, uh, Web 2.0. Facebook's margins are pretty good. And Facebook, you know, like uh, client acquisition costs, like you could see where the math is in that industry. And you could look at oil. Like if you're an oil driller, you need high oil, not low oil. If you're an oil driller, you need to you know, see what the cost of labor are and things like that. So industries kind of drive, uh, you know, prices. The market kind of drives prices. The individual company could be a star amongst losers. I will only use Apple versus Amazon's phone and Samsung's phone as there's the star of the three. And then you got some visibility. In um, sticking with an obvious one, cell phone. For now, I, I, I see America using cell phones for another five, ten years. Beyond that, are they going to embed it in our body? I don't know. 
Are, are we going to wear that stupid Google Glass? I doubt it. Um, I want a rich experience, and that's not a rich experience. Yet, will it be in ten, five, ten years? Possibly. Look at the visibility of um, autonomous cars versus non-autonomous cars. We have cars that can basically self-drive today. They just started a big test in England, and it's pretty cool to watch. Now, they happen to look like glorified golf car, golf bumper cars. So they're, they're not like, woo it's a Maserati! It's self-driving me at 120 miles per hour! We'll get there. So the visibility there is not good. We don't know when we're going to get there. We don't know who's going to be held accountable. Is it going to be the, the autonomous, is it going to be the, the technology that automatically drives company? Is it going to be the company like Maserati who puts it in their, their car? Is it going to be the state that it's legal to do and not legal to do it in another one? We don't know the ramifications of this yet. So, 800-516-1220, or will it be you? Like, if you, were, if you kill someone in an autonomous car, will you be liable? Because maybe you should have saw it and turned off this auto-driving. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's get a Harry in Castro Valley. Hello? Harry. Yes. Hi, Rob. I was just wondering, do, do, do you think you really need your full um, retirement um, income to be the same as your your working income? Or do you think it could be a little bit lower when you, re, when you retire? Try practicing. So yeah. yeah. Try practicing that a little bit lower right now. And I think what you're going to find is that the first few years of retirement, it's higher. And then the last dwindling years of retirement, it's lower. Right, right. That's well. What I was thinking is, if if you have close to a hundred percent of your retirement when you first start, then maybe, um, you know, when you're in your when you turn eighty, you, that goes down to you know sixty years or percent or so. It seems like you can function fine with you know some amount lower. The first 20 years, you know, you, when you're in your sure. prime. Thanks, thanks for the call. Time. Thanks for the call. Let me throw a little out there. You're right. First 20 years when you're in your prime, you're going to spend more. I'm with you. This is probably why you want to work with a financial planner. Because you could say to me, Harry, okay, then I'm going to work till I'm 70. So I don't really need the full nest egg at 60. Because I'm going to offset some of that lower of the latter years. I'm going to offset some of that faster draw of the earlier years. I'd work with a financial planner and start working up a budget because some things that you may not, and again, I don't know your housing costs, I don't know your health care costs, I don't know if you plan to leave money or not. There's no right answer to this. I'd rather you over-prepare for it than say, I'm going to have just under what you think I need because I'm smarter than you. I'd be cautious with that.
so that last caller who called in, and I was a little bit tough on him, where he said, I think I'm going to save a little bit less than I need to, because I realized that, you know, I might run out of my money. I might die by the time I get to 75. I'm going to be active from 60 to 75. I'm like, yeah, but you kind of do want that money to last till 92 just in case. Because let's say you do start drawing down too fast, and then your roof collapses. You haven't looked at it, or termites have eaten through your house. Or, I don't know, some guy comes to your house and robs you and cracks your teeth and all your teeth fall out. There's costs that are unexpected, so I want people to over-prepare versus under-prepare. And then if in the last five years of your life you want to hire dancing girls and go to Super Bowl, and if you want to drive a Maserati, I love that people are like 85 driving expensive cars. I'm like, I hate you. Like, I think I think expensive cars, to be quite honest with you. I'm just not as much of a consumer as the average person. If we could all live in a world of expensive cars, it's great. But I'd rather feed children in Africa or, heck, um, take my time out and volunteer to teach kids how to swim in Oakland. Like, do some volunteer work that you know costs me a little bit of time and money. Um, you'll never see me in a $100,000 vehicle. I might get a Tesla for under 100000 but that'll be my one nice car of my lifetime. One over-the-top nice car. Anyhow, um, inflation's the biggest worry in retirement. Inflation is the key driver of all financial instruments. It is the Maserati. No, it's the key driver of all financial instruments. When inflation goes up too quickly, it saps your buying power. When inflation is moderate or slowing, it gives greater buying power to the consumer. It leads to an increase in spending. Um, again, I don't really believe in putting people in gold funds and putting people in you know, super special ways of playing the dollar. I think there's sectors that benefit from inflation, and I'd rather you be in those. Um, I think there's sectors that benefit from you know, a stagnant economy. I've always said this, and I'll say, say this again. Susie Orman's like the devil. Susie Orman's... No, no, she's more like the devil than a cow today. For this purpose. She's like the devil because she sells products. You'll see her on QVC selling crappy jewelry. You'll see her on CNBC selling crappy books that give crappy financial advice. You'll see her selling crappy insurance products. Well, how about her crappy debit card? She sells so much crap... She should sell toilet paper because they kind of go hand in hand, which I don't know. If I was a creationalist, I kind of would have come up with a better way of removing said crap. Using your hand, too close, too close. So Susie Orman's like the devil. She's not certified anything. She's not an investment advisor. She's not a financial planner. She's not a financial analyst. She's a hag who looks like leather, who wears leather pants as shirts. And her shirts are just, it, it's hideous because her leather skin is so sunburnt and so dry. It's like the Sierra. Like, lady, you're orange. Stop it. And stop calling women on the other line of the phone girlfriend. It's insulting. Girlfriend, you can't afford that. 
Okay. I can see Oprah Winfrey doing that. I can't see you doing that. Anyhow, um, Susie Orman's like the Sahara Desert. Dry and cracked. Um, home is where you live. It's not an investment. I was listening to a show the other day where the host is like, yes, you should have investment properties that are like portfolios. You know, you should have a duplex. You should have one in Dallas. You should have your home. You should have, you know, something in an up-and-coming area. You're not Donald Trump. And for the record, Donald Trump's been bankrupt three times. Okay? Okay? Here's the story of the person who listens to crap like that. And I run into them all the time. If you go to Craigslist and Google my name under Cron TV, this guy wrote just this, just this hate-filled, and I'll, maybe I'll pull it up and I'll read it on air. Every other word's not appropriate for radio. He's like, Rob Black doesn't like real estate right now, and you know, F him, screw him, I'm going to poke his eye out, I'm going to go after his mother. You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Real estate always goes up, and it doesn't. And 2006 was the height of the market, and I called to top, and I said, it does, I, I'd be very cautious here. And I'm not going to tout that. I'm not a tout. I'm more of a lout than a tout. Um, so real estate doesn't always go up, and the idea of having a portfolio of homes and a portfolio of real estate is it's ludicrous unless you're worth $10 million. Somewhere around a million, two million, buy buy an investment property, buy a place in Tahoe. Somewhere around five or six million dollars, buy a duplex that you can rent out. But for the average person, a good friend of mine, her dad, took a loan out on his own house, and I saw a guy two weeks, two months ago, take out all of his 401k savings because he's going to flip houses. He'll be bankrupt. I will throw down if he wants to throw down a hundred dollars, I'll throw down ten thousand dollars that he'll be bankrupt. He'll have lost all that money with his plan or the plan just miserably backfires and doesn't work. I'll throw it down within seven years. I'll give him $10,000. I'll even, he could throw down one. He crashed his retirement so that he can basically gamble on the future of flipping houses because there's a show on TV and if the guy on TV could do it, I could do it. Okay, so my friend, her dad takes out a loan on his house, buys a house, takes out another loan, buys a house, puts money down on another house, one of them failed with a bad renter. All four of them got foreclosed on. He lost his house. He lost his retirement and has to basically work till the day he dies. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You're not going to get it more honest and truthful than this. Talk soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Robert Schiller recently had some commentary. I like Schiller. I'm not in love with him. I'm not about to call him my Nobel Prize winning economist for life, but I like him. Um, A lot of these economists that come out with public statements, they're paid by their schools like, hey, go get in the news. People like Paul Krugman and Robert Scheller. He could be a Nobel Prize winning economist and just sit back in his ivory tower and educate the children of Yale. But he doesn't. He goes out there and he works it. And he gave a grim message recently for investors. And that is, assets aren't going to give you the type of returns that you've become accustomed to. In his third edition of Irrational Exuberance, which he did beautifully, calling the whole dot-com era nonsense at its height, which... That's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime call. Good for you. There's a chick named Elaine Garzarelli who kind of did it five years before that with another kind of market call that was perfect. So you can, history is dotted with these people. Uh, the doom and gloom professor, Rubini. <laughs> Here's an economist who parties with college girls with hard liquor. I'm like, he is kind of an economist rock star. And he's not that good-looking. Uh, he's not good looking at all. Let's be honest. He's a troll, but he knows how to party. So anyway, back to Schiller. He's basically saying he's warning about high prices for stocks and bonds. Like he said, don't use your usual assumptions about returns going forward. I don't think that's irrational. I don't think that's crazy of him to say. We've had a glorious six year run. One year we're up 33%. If, I mean, Wow, 33%. He thinks stock valuations look rich. His favorite valuation measure the cyclically adjusted price-to-earnings ratio, which compares current prices to prior 10 years' worth of earnings. It's higher than it's ever been except for times in 1929, 2000, 2008, all major market peaks. He writes in his new preface to the third edition, it's very hard to predict turning points. We could keep going up but it's definitely high by historical standards. It's up there. Now, all of these historical times have different vibes and different things going on. Right now, we have an improving job market. We have Europe doing what the United States did, which is cut the cost of money. And if that's able to push stock market returns, which eventually, I don't know, did it eventually create jobs in the United States or did... Jobs come back to the United States slowly. There's no he, cutting interest rates doesn't necessarily, you know, create demand. 
So Schiller said that bond yields, which move inversely to prices, can't keep trending lower and could reach a major turning point in coming years. He says it's no surprise then that he expects little in way of asset returns, meaning Americans will have to rely a little bit more heavily on the piggy bank. Given the current state of stocks and bonds, you might want to save a little bit more. A lot of people aren't saving enough, and incidentally, people are living longer now, and healthcare is improving. You might end up retired for 30 years. People are not preparing for that. I talked to a man on the phone recently who was like, I'm going to undersave for retirement because my goal is to really go lean when I, I hit you know, 80, 85, and that's just stupid. Because when he's 85, he's not going to have the option to say, that was a good idea if it was a bad idea. It'll be a bad idea. Other pillar of his advice is a classic tenet of responsible investing with a global twist. He says, diversify, because that helps reduce risk. And you can diversify outside the United States. Some people would eat, never invest in Europe, and I think that's a mistake. Ever since Europe has announced we're in with America, if their central bank's going to lower interest rates, and you know, as long as inflation is going to stay low, we'll try to stimulate growth. Ever since then, European stocks have been kicking the butt of American stocks. And the headlines are like, Ukraine and Greece, Europe's not going to get any natural gas this winter and people are going to freeze to death because Russia's not going to give them the natural gas. Um, Spain got better, but Italy still has rough, rough, rough um, unemployment. Greece, I don't know what you do to fix that problem. Uh, when your treasury secretary says you're bankrupt, you're kind of bankrupt, right? Uh, but ever since Europe started doing what the United States did, their stocks have been outperforming. So valuations in much of the world are far lower than in the United States, given that investors are more optimistic and economic prospects in America, you know, um, higher. Slow improvement equals slow improvement in jobs, slow improvement in jobs. Like, okay, I'm going to go from this house called mom and dad's, I'm going to get an apartment. That doesn't create a lot of jobs. But then they're living with guys. Guys are living with guys. Girls are living with girls. And they go, you know what? I'm going to spend the night at my boyfriend's house. And bam. They fall in love and they want to get married. So they go to a single family home. A single family home will create three jobs as many as an apartment. So there's some prospects that as this trickles out, things pick up in the real world of the way people create wealth, spend money, live life. But in that scenario, as we're creating, you're creating inflation, and interest rates would likely rise to fight that. A lot of people don't think interest rates are going anywhere anytime soon. A lot of smart people, Warren Buffett being one of them. So maybe valuations on the market don't stretch higher, but maybe they don't go lower too. And that's where the don't expect stretched higher results comes from with Schiller. But the real world could look pretty good for a while there as jobs improve, people get into apartments, people fall in love, people make um, single-family homes. Single-family homes puts a lot of contractors to work. They go on vacation. Single-family homes make a baby. Baby, you go out and buy a, a minivan. Is that a baby? Oh, no, no, no. That's my boss's after my recent show. 
bunch of babies. Yeah, a lot of people don't get to retirement, and no, people don't need gold. Futures always coming up with surprises for us, and the best way to insulate yourself from these surprises is to diversify. And for the record, I'm not calling my bosses a bunch of babies. So <clears throat> I'm saying that sometimes people don't see eye to eye. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com or rob at robblackshow.com. Pick up the phone. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Start thinking about retirement seriously and start thinking about it as overfunding it versus underfunding it. Um, there's no reason to think like optimistically that, like, hey, I can live large now and not worry about it later. As a guy who has a good asset base, I still worry. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. Chad, let's go over a couple keys of building a retirement portfolio that lasts. Start with the ability to delay principal withdrawals. That's a big concept. It is, and there's a couple of things to think about. Um, first of all, I mean, it's, it's really part of overall financial planning because there's a couple obvious ways to put off doing withdrawals of principal. And the first one is to work longer. Um, it's, it's, it's often a tough meeting when people come in and they've retired and you kind of have to show them that, hey, you're going to have to spend less than you think because you haven't saved enough. You need to work longer. And usually if you work one year, you buy about three years worth of retirement income because not only are you not pulling on your portfolio, but you're adding to it. So the compound effect of that over 30 years is, is a one for three type of a scenario. But the other ways to do it is, is to be aware of the social security tricks that are out there okay. so that you don't have to draw on your portfolio. And I've talked about that before. There's all sorts of blogs that we've done on it on and podcasts on uh, file and suspend strategies and spousal benefits and, and how uh, spouses can actually play off each other's benefits so that they can each hold off and wait until 70 to get their full benefit which is a large return on your money between 66 and 70. It's about an 8% rate of return, and that's, that's income for life. So that makes sense for a lot of spouses, a lot of couples. Um, you know, accumulating good assets when you're younger is a big one, like rental properties that eventually get paid off and create positive cash flow in retirement is a nice thing to have. But the other thing to do, too, is that people get so focused on delaying their IRA withdrawals that – They'll, they'll draw down the principal on all their taxable accounts. And so oftentimes we're taking right at retirement interest and dividends, at least, from the IRA out and spending those as part of what you need to spend. And then, of course, the biggest way to 
not have principal withdrawals is to think of your portfolio in two pieces, and that's one is your portfolio, and the other is your safe money. And your safe money is three years' worth of expenses, and that delays you having to draw or sell stocks or bonds in a declining market. And Rob, you and I have been on radio for 16 years together now, and that's worked out for people in a very, very good way in 2001, 2002, and then 2008, 2009. So it doesn't happen regularly, but when it does, it's nice to have that safe money. What is safe money again? It's not money that's actually in a safe, is it? (laughs) No, no. It might as well be right now because safe money isn't paying much, right? I mean, you can go to bankrate.com and and get FDIC-insured money market accounts that are around you know, 0.9%. And this is one of the biggest battles that I fight right now is when the market's doing well, trying to get people to keep the safe money safe um, because they, they want to uh, you know, get everything to work. And it, feel, it doesn't feel good when everything, the market's doing well to have safe money earning very little because we're in a historically low interest rate environment. But when that correction comes and you realize that, oh, okay, the correction came, they come, you know, three, five to seven percent corrections every year, 15 to 20 percent correction comes every five to seven years. I see it's it's protecting my portfolio. It'll allow my portfolio to recover. I'll live off the safe money and my dividends and interest and I'll be just fine. Okay. with that said, um, you know, bouncing into other topics, you know, safe money is, I think digestible for us. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, budget. I had a call ask, hey, maybe I can undersave for retirement and just budget less in the latter years of my life while drawing down from my nest egg at the budget that I'm currently living at. So he basically is going to stay as is in the early years of retirement. And then he plans to cut his budget later. And so he can undersave now so as to... Uh, I guess spend money today. I didn't quite get the point of it. It seems weird to say I want to undersave. <laughs> Sounds like forcing a plan to work when it's just not going to. And here's here's the issue is that you will spend less later in life on the everyday things. So most people spend more in the first five years of retirement than when they were working because they're doing all the things that they wanted to do. But um, when when you're in your 80s, you might not be eating out as much. You might not travel as much, but your health care costs are not in your hands. You can't control those costs, and those are the costs that have inflation at about five to six percent right now. Sure. All your other costs are maybe you know we we like to project it at three percent, even though it's not quite that right now. It will be in the future. So you can't underspend inflation. That's the problem. So you can have different light items in your budget that are going up in the future. Maybe vacation kind of tailors off. Maybe travel or uh, eating out might tailor off a little bit. You know, purchasing new furniture for your house might taper off a little bit, but some of the other things, the basics in life, healthcare, food, energy, you don't have that control. Okay. Now let's get to, is that enough on that topic? Oh, sure. Okay. The one thing about the budget thing that I wanted to throw in was also, if we have a quick second, roofs crack and like foundations and like doors get old and you have to replace... there's some things that happen that, like, you've been living in that house for 40 years, it gets old on you, that no one ever takes into account. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that, because as I'm looking out the window, as I'm on the phone talking to you, I look down at the windowsill, and I'm seeing there's some water seeping in on my on my windows that are relatively new, and, you know, things like that, that, that are going to pop up, and now I'm going to have to have 
that looked at and figure out what's wrong, how it could cost some caulking. It could be a window replacement. You never know. Let's talk this email. Um, Terry sent you an email. I heard from you and Chad on radio that bond funds are risky because in the future, new bonds are issued with higher interest rates. The old bond will drop in value. I think Rob has said that he doesn't even hold any bonds in his 401k. Thanks. We've got about yep, a I imagine you got the, the same email that I did. It, and it's tough because it's like, you know, you get generalized on, on stuff that you say on radio. I actually do own some bonds. I own some uh, international currency hedged bonds. My clients that are need bonds in their portfolio still own uh, bonds in the form of, same thing, international currency hedged bonds and unconstrained bond funds. Um, we're not in a threat of rising rates. If interest rates are rising, even if the Fed's increased interest rates, it's on the short end of the curve. And so you could have a, some short-term effects, but it's overnight lending rate. It's not necessarily going to uh, you know, increase the interest rate on the 10 or 30-year or treasury. If people are stuck in long-term government bond funds and interest rates do start to rise because of inflation, you, you can have a year or two of pain. And the losses are, tend to be around you know, 1% to 5%. Um, on a normal rising rate environment. So I, it's, uh, I, I think bonds, if you own them correctly, are still a cushion for market volatility. They're still, if the, the market has a correction, that's what your bonds are for. They're to create income and be a cushion on the downside. Why, <laughs> Chad, why own the bond fund? And we only have about 10 seconds. Why own the international currency hedge fund versus the DAX? Because the DAX would benefit if the currency devalues. The DAX is still stocks. You can't substitute stocks for bonds when you're trying to maintain a certain risk level in a portfolio. You will put yourself in danger. We even with a 10-year time horizon? Yep. Okay. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So I've tried to write down all the reasons people fail financially, and I've come up with a list of 11. No, no, no. Not fail financially, but mistakes. Live within your means. That's the first one. A lot of people don't live within their means. If you have a cell phone, an iPhone 5 or 6, and you don't have at least 10% going into your 401k, I think you live in large. It is not a constitutional right to have a cell phone plan that's going to cost you anywhere between 60 and 120 bucks. Um, now, if you're watching Netflix and you're sharing a password with a friend, you're breaking the law, but now you're starting to get some financial you know, synergies with having that expensive data plan. Uh, but uh, live within your means. Failure to set goals. 
right now you should have a goal. Number one, retire at 62, 65, 70, whatever it is. You should have that, I'm going to stop working. Because at some point in time, they're going to ask you to stop working. There's going to be age discrimination and or you count too much on health care. I once had an employee that after she retired, she was the oldest person in the company. Everyone else's health care costs went down because we were all compensating and paying more, even though we were losing less to cover her. So live within your means. Set goals. When are you going to retire? Don't think that you're going to retire too early. Like, don't retire at 50 unless you have a health care plan, and don't retire at 50 unless you have, a, like, eight times your goals that you wanted at 60. Um, some people retire too early, and then they have to go back to work. It's a mistake, or they have that, you know, bad number. Not saving enough. Here's the perfect example that I can give you of someone who probably wouldn't have saved enough unless he was POTUS, President of the United States. Ronald Reagan lived to 93 years old. He retired at age 60. When he retired at 60, he looked like the grandfather of America. Like, he was an old dude, right? For 10 years of his last, 10 years of his life, he was in very bad health. They wouldn't even, like, let cameras in to see him or anything like that. The Republican Party was too afraid. Like, our mighty hero can't be seen with dementia. Can't be seen with Alzheimer's. We don't even know. But I can tell you this. If that was me... That's probably at least $100,000 to be in a hospital bed or in some sort of care facility and having people take care of me and wash me and clean me and feed me. That ain't cheap. So money can go very, very, very fast in those final years. How about failure to create and stick to a budget? I'm guilty of this. I've got some extra discretionary money and sometimes I'll be like, you know what? The Book of Mormon's going to town, coming to town. I hear it's funny. I hear it's a good show. It won awards. I'm going to spend $400 on two tickets. That wasn't in my budget. And then you go like, I'm going to get a hotel room that night because it's in San Francisco. And, and my memory is that a hotel room costs 150 bucks, but now it's like $400. And I'm going to go to dinner. And I remember when steaks were $32, $33. Now they're $40. Like, stick into a budget, and you have to have, you know, a line item that says entertainment. And you can't go over it. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. Um, too much debt. Big mistake that people make. Your housing expenses should be 28% of pre-tax income. Total monthly debt should be less than 36% of pre-tax income. Consumer debt should be less than 20% of after-tax income. These are just starting points. Everything is just a starting point. When I say things like I own no bonds, it's because I'm young and pretty. Also, I like to own individual bonds versus bond funds. Bond funds get into that herd mentality, whereas individual bonds don't. So if you're in an interest rate where it moves, your bond fund manager may have to, someone may say, you know what, I want to sell some bonds. So he may have to sell his bond. Some people may say, I want my cash back. So he may have to sell bonds that he wasn't really planning on selling. Now, you can get bond funds that are mandated a certain way, for sure, for sure. Um, and that helps. But generally speaking, like if you were to give me a, a good California muni bond, 
You're not paying any income taxes in the state of California on it. In like a Palo Alto Waterworks. Palo Alto has decided that we need to upgrade our sewage because our sewage can't stink like poop. We are shallow Alto. No, no, no. We are Palo Alto. Um, I would fund that, that bond, that municipal bond. We will give you 2.2% tax-free. Whereas if it was Stockton and Stockton's like, we are building or er, we're building a airport out here in Stockton and uh, we're going to need to raise some money. So we're going to do a Stockton municipal bond. <laughs> okay. 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 I wouldn't fund that one because no one wants to fly to Stockton. No one wants to drive through Stockton. People want to escape from Stockton. Kurt Russell once had a great series of films, Escape from New York. Great. Escape from L.A.? Not so great. Escape from Stockton. Boom shakalaka. I'm straight out of Stockton. Um, ticking time bomb. Okay, too much debt. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, so not everything's set in stone. That's really important that you see that different investors have different mentalities and different wants and needs. Failure to maintain cash reserves, I think, very, very important. Um, you can do it a lot of ways. Like, I, they say you should have two to six months of cash reserves. Okay, not everyone's going to have that ability. Like, for instance, your insurance bill. You get an insurance bill every year that says, do you want to pay this lump sum of $600, or do you want to pay 10 payments that equal $800, but each payment will only be 80 bucks? You're like, I don't have $600. I'll, I'll do this $80 one. You just agreed to pay 30% more for the same thing over a year? You need to find a way to pay that off first in a lump sum. Because you're not going to make 30% in cash. You're not going to make 30% in the stock market. Um, so start putting like extra money aside to next year you're going to pay it off in a lump sum. That's the difference between success or failure for a lot of people is figuring things out. Um, try doing a puzzle, and then one day try to do a puzzle upside down. Or, like, um, when I used to draw, I would try to draw a man sitting in a chair sitting up. And then I would try to draw the same picture, exact same picture, upside down. And I was actually better at drawing it upside down. I took more time with my lines. Drawing, to me, is about seeing lines. I don't know if that makes any sense at all to you. Try to draw that picture where... It doesn't make any rational sense with gravity where he's facing to the left. So I think you could take some alternative approaches. Like I have all my credit card statements, all my credit card reward points. Um, right now I'm using the City Double Cash Rewards card, where for every hundred dollars I spend I get two percent back. For every dollar I spend I get two percent back. That doesn't sound like a lot of money. It's not. I know that and you know that, but it adds up over time. And over the last 52 weeks, it was probably $4,500. And that's more than enough to pay my insurance up front and save big do re me by doing a lump sum versus by doing it spread out over the year. And there's no major skin off my back to do it that way. Talking about mistakes people make, cash reserves are important. You have to build two to six months of cash reserves because there's some point in time where you're going to get laid off or something's going to happen. Like, uh, my mom's about to die. I've been saying that for five years, ten years. Flights have gone up a lot. Who do I fly out to bury my mom? Do I fly out to bury my mom? Of course I do. My brothers are talking behind my back. That's the only reason I wouldn't go. That's the only reason I'd go. 
Um, I, I don't like funerals. I think they're inane. I think they're banal. Um, but that's a big sum of money for a lot of people. And a lot of people feel the pressure to fly home and see mom being put in the ground. So you have to have an emergency fund. So that's because it's not going to be part of your budget. Your mom's not going to die every month, hopefully. <laughs> oh, no, it's the zombie apocalypse. Not going to happen. You need to update your paperwork. Big mistake that people make. You need to diversify. Assets are cash. There's bonds. There's stocks. There's trading cards. There's pictures. There's real estate. When I say pictures, I mean art. I'm not very complex at times. I like that picture of that woman sitting there smiling. And that's the Mona Lisa. I like it. It makes me warm. What does that even mean? Biggest mistake I see people make, focusing on the short term. Another big mistake that's not quite as obvious. I've got 20 years. I don't have to do what things, like, I don't have to, I don't have to be short term. But Robert Schiller said things may not be great in the short term. But I don't have, I'll just lower my expectations. Like in my 20s, swimsuit model. In my 30s, maybe a print model. In my 40s, I'll do like the dental brochure where people have lost 14 teeth and had you know veneers put in and they look great model. I'm okay with that. I change my standards. I change my expectations with time. Um, and I think another mistake that people make, and you can fix this easily, is educate yourself. Listen to my show, listen to CFP Chad Burton's show, listen, read the Wall Street Journal, try Business Week, it ain't bad. Bloomberg, I think Bloomberg Radio, pretty solid. Bloomberg Television, pretty good. I'd rather watch Bloomberg Television than CNBC by like a measure of a thousand to one. I'm Rob Black. Who plays what he wants to play and says what he wants to say. Wasting all this time is weighing on my conscience Feeling done again, feeling I can't shake Think I'm finally awake I'd rather do it, rather make it be a fake I know that dreams come true But I never thought that I would have to leave you I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Friday the 13th is also known as Black Friday in some countries. It's considered an unlucky day. It occurs when the 13th day of the Gregorian calendar falls on a Friday. There's no written evidence for the superstitions before the 19th century. The fear of the number 13 has actually been given a specific name, Triska Decaphobia. And we don't have much on it. There's, you know, days that are tied towards the crucifixion of Christ. There's days that the Knights of the Temple are rounded up. Um, there's 13 people at the table of the Last Supper. Um, there's a character in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. But not much more. Nothing that makes any sense. But sometimes we live in things that just don't make any sense. 
<laughs> One of my old bosses once was talking to a reporter about how Kron was basically going through a bankruptcy, and it wasn't very pretty. And, you know, they used to be pretty high up, and they are. I, I love working for that company. I, I, I feel a really strong connection to the Bay Area. But the manager was being interviewed, and he said, oh, yeah, we just we had a numerologist tell us to put some numbers out on the outside of the building. And, you know, the reporter probably took that a little out of context and made it sound like their whole future counted on that. Like, whoops, that kind of makes us look weird. Um, in Italy, Friday the 17th is the bad one. Uh, I don't know why. I think those Italians are just silly. So, rates of accidents, do they go up on the 13th? No. Just throwing it out there for you. Um, sometimes we get caught up in silly, even on Wall Street. So, I've decided that I want to lose two and a half pounds a week for basically, you know, six, seven weeks to get down to my, well, in life you go through what's called your, your, your marriage weight, you know, you try to fight to get back down to your marriage weight. Sometimes after that you try to fight to get back down to your college weight. Sometimes after that you go fight and try to get to your high school weight, and that's like when you get like the best insurance. So every time I do a life insurance policy or a term life policy, I try to fight to get back to a college weight because that's where you start getting really good rates. So I've decided after that I'm going to lose weight two and a half pounds a week for another two years so I can get down to my in vitro weight. No, 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 no. That would be too little. No, 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 no. My mom didn't spin me in a test tube. How about my in utero weight? Well, that's my goal after I get down to my prenatal weight. That's right. I want to weigh what I weighed coming out of the womb. I think I weighed like 7 pounds, 10 ounces. That would be a great show. I would look like a banana and an orange. And I'd be talking money. And it would sound something like this. You need to start saving at age 20 to be a millionaire $1,000 a year. If you wait till 25, you need to save 1700 If you wait till 30, you need to save $2,900 a year. It's $250 a month. To become a millionaire. If you wait till 35, you need to save 5000 a year. You can do the math on that. Um, it's a lot of money. If you wait till age 40, you need to save $8,700 to become a millionaire. If you wait till age 45, you now need to save $15,600 a year to become a millionaire. That's $1,300 a month. That's why I say if you don't have $100,000, $150,000 saved by age 40, you're probably not going to ever, quote unquote, be wealthy. And I'm, I'm lowballing that to not discourage you. I'd like you to have $300,000, $400,000 by age 40. But I don't want to discourage. If you wait till age 60 and you want to be a millionaire, you've got to save $161,000 a year you know, before you retire. It's too much. Most people can't do that. Most people, no one I know can do that. So, um, yeah, I'm finally get back to my college weight, not my in utero. <laughs> and definitely not my in vitro weight because I wasn't a test tube baby as far as I know mom tells me I got something I got something for you see the spatula not spatula uh, what's the thing that draws liquids out of turkey baster there's another word for turkey baster that's not turkey baster it's not spatula for sure I was a pancake baby okay back to the show 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I was talking with a 45-year-old woman. 
and she didn't realize. She's got lots of credit cards, and she said, what's your credit card that you use right now, Rob? And I said, here, it's the city double cash thing. I'm not getting kicked back for that, blah, blah, blah. I said, I know a financial planner is really smart, and she always tells me you know, what the best cards of the year are. And believe it or not, you should have like 16 lines of credit to have the best credit, the number of lines you have. And that differs, but especially if you can't handle credit, don't do it. But she's like, yeah, I'll close on my old cards. Because I'm all about the perks and rewards, as long as you can pay them off every week, every month. Um, so she's like, I'm going to close. And I'm like, no, don't close your old ones. You know, in fact, you should use them on occasion because it, the average length of the card is important. And she's like, I didn't know that. Uh, there's a good website um, tied towards credit usage. And I think on your iPhone, I think you should have an app section called Finance. I think you, in it you should have Mint, you should have your bank, you should have all your credit cards. Um, I recently went through and um, lined up all my credit cards to be due like at the first of the month or the 15th of the month or the 20th of the month so that I can do them all at the same time. took a couple months for them to line up and, and pay out that like that. But it makes my life so much easier. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Oh, the good credit card, um, the good credit score app is called Credit Karma. You can even set it up to alert you via text if anyone opens up new lines of credit under your name. It's not you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 